Skunk it. Which one of us is the good cop, and which one of us is the bad cop? Uh, I feel like you'd definitely be the good cop. Yeah? Because I just say mean things about you a lot. <laughs> like, to your face. Jokingly, of course. Yeah. But, you know. But it hurts. Just to make me feel better about my life. <laughs> That's why you keep me around. That's why I keep you around, yeah. So you can just be constantly like, well, this is going shit, but at least I ain't Danny. Well, no. It's that you're... No, you're d- doing good. But then I'm like... Well, I need to bring him down a peg. Oh, I or see. Or two pegs. I need to bring him down a clothesline. <laughs> um, so you'd be uh, you'd be the bad cop. I think so. Yeah. You don't really get buddy cop stuff. Well, you don't. Re- yeah, you don't really get buddy cop Scottish movies, do you? Did the Scottish cops do they get partners? No, but they get, get partners. partners. Yeah. Because whenever you see a cop, you're like, it's in pairs usually. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think. They're usually the rogue element. It kind of... Oh, I think it looks different in uh, British... It would look different in a British comedy. Because they're wearing bobbies. But, yeah. <laughs> like, either... Like, you'd ha- you have to kind of be a high up... He's like a somewhat high up detective before, before you get a suit. Ah, uh, so you, you get upgraded to, to suit. Uh, and then so, you just look like you're going to a job in, in an office. I don't think you could look like a bad cop if you were wearing the cop uniform and just... You just just seem like yeah, a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saying, can't tell them apart. <laughs> I'm not saying you couldn't be a bad cop. But you would just not look as good. You could be, you could <laughs> good be cop and incompetent cop. <laughs> yeah, you could be like that. What What is your favorite cop, uh, buddy cop film? Buddy cop film. Yeah, what's what's a buddy cop film that maybe maybe not the one the 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 favorite favorite, but what's the one that comes off your head? You're does like, yeah. that, does mm, does Die Hard three count? Yeah. Sam Jackson, he's not a cop. Yeah, he's but, not you a know, cop, but you has the buddy cop elements. Pretty much, might as well be. I yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah. Die Hard. 3 I mean, if we're going by that weird logic, then yeah, Die Hard three. <laughs> Sorry, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's a that's a good choice. Um, it's a great film. They're running around the city. Aye. so different from the other two Die Hards, but in a in a real good way. Not that the first two Die Hards were bad. No, the the only problem with the second one is it's just a huge retread of the first yeah. one. Um, in classic sequel fashion aye where they were like oh, how make it we... again make <laughs> it again <laughs> you, did it, you did it right the first time no one will notice then that everybody notices more. Um, and then the third one they were like they, they amped it up they yeah like, yeah let's do something one. different uh, what's yours one that would come to my mind is probably the most famous one mm, is Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Weapon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's a setup because I haven't seen Lethal Weapon um, like a scumbag Nah, like it's very, it's very of its time. It's the like, it's almost just the ultimate buddy cop film. Like it, it just like almost mm-hmm. isn't. Um, you almost couldn't get more buddy cop. But feel, uh, Lethal Weapon is probably the reason why you don't get many more buddy cop films mm-hmm. these days. Is because it's hard to top that. If I was to go, my favorite buddy cop film, probably Hot Fuzz. I never thought of Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. I guess because that doesn't start. Well, I guess Die Hard doesn't either. I guess it because it doesn't start with them both being well, most buddies. Body cop films don't. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon doesn't. True. They Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon's not a parody, is it? No, it's, it's not. Is it? It plays itself. I mean, it, it's comical. True. Yeah, but like, it but isn't... it's not making fun of the buddy cop. No, because it, it like... is the buddy cop. Film. Yeah, like it's the it's... Hot Fuzz. Obviously, is a parody. Would you say it's the quintessential buddy cop <laughs> it's pretty much the 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 one it pretty much is the example yeah the quintessential one like you can't you can't really 
come up with more examples than like a, a better one of what the buddy cop film is than Lethal Weapon because you got your straight cop in Donald um, Donald Glover yeah and then you got your gay <laughs> cop in <laughs> Danny Glover you got your straight cop who's by the rules he has a family he has a wife in uh, Danny Glover and you got a off the edge um, war crazy guy in Mel Gibson you, yeah I desperately want to see it it's just something that's never came across it's just something that's never I've never had the opportunity to watch it. Well, now's as good a time to see it as any because uh, yeah. this month is the 30th anniversary of Lethal Weapon. Oh, really? Yeah. Should I watch all four of them or should I stop at a certain point? Do you know what? Lethal Weapon, it's been a long time since I've seen them. I couldn't tell you what is in which one. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think the first two are definitely good, if I recall. I remember the first one ends in quite a, a, like a prolonged action sequence that's quite bizarre. Maybe something more products for the eighties when yeah. you're watching it and you're like watching it now and you're like, this is going on forever a bit, um, and it's kind of it's a bit strange. But like the second one, I remember the uh, is it the second one that introduces um, oh what's his name the the guy from Goodfellas and oh, Home well, Alone. You're asking me, I haven't no, seen no, no, the guy from Goodfellas and Home Alone. The guy from Goodfellas and Home Alone, um, Corey Culkin. <laughs> Because Macaulay Culkin was a good fella. Joe Petty. <laughs> yeah. He uh, enters the cast of... Have Tom you not seen the classic movie where <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay Culkin and young Elijah Wood try to break into Robert De Niro's house <laughs> at Christmas? Have you never seen that movie? I've not. I must admit, I've not seen it. Elijah Wood I went to because there's a photo of the two of them together. And yeah. my brain was going, what other child star? <laughs> um... Yeah, he's he's in the later ones. Uh, that um, brings us to this film because uh, Shane Black is obviously the writer of Lethal, uh, Lethal Weapon. You mm-hmm. like Shane Black? I like Shane. Black. Everyone likes Shane. Black. Iron Man, Iron Man three, three which we like, even though yep. it's Kiss Kiss and also Bang Bang. Yeah, they're they're two good films. He did the good good men, the nice guys. <laughs> he's he done do... all right. Ah, he's done good. He did Christmas with the Cranks. That wasn't him. <laughs> but he likes Christmas, so... Yeah, he does. A lot of his films are set at Christmas. Um, would you mean, is that a stylistic thing? I think it's to do with, you know, Christmas is a, it's a family time, so he can say a lot about family values oh. if he sets his movies at Christmas. I guess so. A lot about togetherness, not being aloneness. <laughs> um... Yeah, he's, I think he's an important writer for me. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I might have even said it on the podcast before, is one of the films I watched and I was like, holy crap, writing doesn't have to be so straightforward and um, so simple. Like, it can be like just bizarre and sporadic. You and... don't just have to write Home Alone. No, you, you don't have any to movie. just write Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? The watch in the 90s, there was a lot of Home Alone knockoffs. So. Yeah, like yeah. Home Alone 4. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's a he's a hugely influential writer for me personally, and I I do love his films. He's doing a Predator film next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm buzzing because he's in Predator. Yeah, he's yeah. in. Um, but like, he's doing his own, um, which I'm super psyched for. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm really. Excited. I almost almost don't know what else you could do with a Predator franchise that would make it more interesting mm. than getting Shane Black in. Mm-hmm. Um, Set it at Christmas. <laughs> it's <laughs> Christmas on an alien planet. It's a Predator, but he's got wearing a Santa hat. He's wearing a Santa hat. Oh, he's disguised as a Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> what? Right. What if it's Predator, but it's set inside like a place where you buy Christmas trees? Yeah. Like it's set in a big warehouse where guys like selling off Christmas trees. Could that's be. where Predator? That's the Shane Black's Predator. I'm, I'm a board. I'm so. I'm, I'm on board of that. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back, guest stars as a Christmas. Is he going to be in it? No, he. No, I don't think so. 
I don't think I can't. Their cast has been as I can't remember off the top of my head. Who yeah, it is. because it's got um, uh, not Jordan Peele. Uh, it's the the other guy from Key and Peele. <laughs> it's got him. Yeah, it does, doesn't I've it? I've totally blanked on his name. Um, Key. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's got somewhat. But then saying that, I remember Predators with Robert Rodriguez had um, oh my god, what's his name? Adrian Brody. Hmm. Uh, which was I actually really I Predators is an example of a film first time I saw it I hated it did you? yeah but I couldn't tell you why I can't even remember maybe I was just in a bad mood but I've seen it twice since then and I really love that film it's a really really good one uh, Robert Rodriguez's Predators Mm. it's really really good Adrian Brody's kind of a weird star for an action film very bizarre but like he really works in it like Mm. he's kind of like paying like a sort of SAS sort of um, less of a brutal soldier, but more of like a stealthy one. Yeah. And like you really like, he's really really interesting. That's I, a really I love good film. Yeah. It's a really really good film. Uh, Shane Black, uh, Lethal Weapon is relevant because Shane Black has a brother named Terry Black, and Terry Black uh, wrote a small little film <laughs> called Dead Heat. Really, that was his brother. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. That didn't. Yeah, that didn't click at all. That didn't come up in my Google. We uh, just finished watching Dead Heat, which was uh, another on the back of Night of the Leapers, a surprise film for Scott Morrison, yeah. where he didn't know what we were watching until, until we the title came up. Yeah, so that was that was fun, and I, every every step of the way, I kept talking. It was like the title came up. I was like, okay, I don't know. I've never heard of this. The actors come up. I'm like, okay, I've I've not heard any of these. I'm like, maybe the the writers or the directors. Not they all come up. I was like. Okay, whereas when Night of the Leapus, I remember when the title for Night of the Leapus came up and I got so excited because I wanted to see Night of the Leapus for ages. So, we this watched one, Dead Heat. Yeah. yeah, this one's more rogue. Um, our intro. What's up, people and people? So welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Danny Jones, and with me, the rogue cop on the edge, Scott Morrison. I'm always on the edge! <laughs> Oh, I hope that disconnected something is going to make this podcast oh, really hard to caught, edit. I hope that caught at least a couple of people off. Uh, for those who haven't listened before, uh, we take a film, either uh, beloved or berated, and we one of us attacks it and one of us defends it. This is a berated film. Like, this got a really negative response mm. when it came out. Yeah. Um, but I, I saw that on my Googleums. I, uh, I'm going to defend it. You're going to defend it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> so we watched uh, Dead Heat. Dead Heat is a film about two cops who uh, at the beginning uh, foil a diamond heist. Uh, but when they get back to the station, they find out that the two people um, they killed um, in the big gunfight have already been, already had an autopsy. They've. This is the second Twists. time uh, they had an autopsy. So in order to try and figure out what's going on, they go to a pharmaceutical drug company and find out that they have been resurrecting people and bringing them back as zombies. One of the cops gets killed in the fight there um, and he is resurrected. And now he is out to solve his own murder. But he's only got 12 hours left to because figure it out. he's going to turn into a zombie. He's going to turn into goop zombie. I know. Um, so that's the premise of the film. It's a. I I really like the premise because it is just a cheesy eighties buddy cop slash horror comedy premise, and it it's it was a film that could have only fully made sense to people in the eighties, mm. where everything was so premise heavy. Mm. Uh, and I love it. I actually really like this. You film. did seem to be enjoying. It. You had you were having a whale of a time. 
I really, I really like it. It's, it's kind of cheesy, but I really, really like it. They're the kind of cops that like to quip, 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 quip. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's, it's interesting because it's written by Shane Black's brother. And like, that's blowing my mind. Yeah, because yeah. you can almost. I while I was watching it, I was aware of that, and I could kind of see it, but not like hear it in now the dialogue. That I think back but on not it. like he's not as polished as Shane Black. It's Blatt's, nowhere near as polished. But you as Shane can hear Blatt's. like the a similarity. Not that the brothers would have to have very similar, but you can tell that they have some. They have that sort of. There's the quickness. There's a very. It's a very, very quick. Heavy. Everyone was quipping. Right. Quips here, quips there. Everyone's just quipping away. Quip factory. That's what dead heat is. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of the story? Look, my my thing was it with it was we started watching it and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is kind of this is bizarre. The kind of opening sequence. I was like, oh, this this kind of got a weird feel to it. Is this just a bad film? And slowly as it kind of went on, I was like, okay, this is this is straight up, this is meant to be a comedy. That's the tone. So I was like, okay. Then just as it went on, I just found myself not laughing ever. And I just didn't really, I think, I just didn't find it maybe as as clever as you did. And after a while, I just I just lost a lot of interest. I had to keep getting you to fill me in on what was going on. <laughs> it's, it's quite like it. I simplified it there for a summer, but it's quite a complicated plot. It's quite. I mean, I guess when you when you break it down. We, I mean, we're gonna say spoilers. Yeah, Fox spoilers. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Like no one's no one's sitting going like, oh man, they've put out a Dead Heat episode. I can't I can't listen to it until I find Dead Heat. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's a complicated plot, but. I think once you get to the bottom of it, it's not massively because they just end up right back where they started the investigation. Yeah, it's like the initial place where the place where it's resurrecting bodies, like where they're resurrecting dead bodies. Yeah, that's probably where the crime was happening. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say just hang out there. Eventually, you'll find something, especially since people start shooting at them in the first scene. Aye, Uh, they go in. They uh, they go in and they uh, to to the pharmaceutical company, and they're like greeted by a very strange receptionist mm. um which was uh, a point of which was again that that was a, yeah a point that i didn't like was because they go up to the receptionist at this place and he's sitting reading a, like a porno mag and they're like hey i'm he's like hey i'm detective incidentally the main character's name in this what was his name is roger mortis mortis Fuck off! That's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of shitty pun-based writing we're talking about. In fairness, last year um, there was a superhero film based on someone called Stephen Strange, who turned out to that's... be a, the ability to do strange things. Yeah, that's true. But then mm, he was doing magic. That's pretty strange. Strange, but like his know. hand, the tips of his fingers turned into hands, with tips of the fingers which turned into hands. I'm going to say yeah, it's a strange... Yeah, a lot going on, wasn't there? <laughs> um, yeah, so they go up to this receptionist. He's reading a dirty magazine. They're like, he's like, hey, I'm Detective R- Roger Mortis. And the guy doesn't say anything. And then he's like, hello, I'm Detective Roger Mortis. We're here to see such such. Still doesn't say anything. Then the other cop smacks the magazine out of his hand and he's like, sorry to interrupt your erection, buddy, but we need to see the person in charge of this place. And then the guy picks up the phone and he calls them. And I was like, that that moment there where he was ignoring them, was just so they could get that that I guess it's a joke in <laughs> the quip in a quip, yeah, quip, quip. Which just wasn't 
protect them. Why was he ignoring them? But then later on, he tries to shoot them. Yeah. This sounds complicated. When uh, when the, uh, the receptionist lets them in, he gets to see the PR woman. Um, who becomes a major character then they try to sneak into the resurrection machine and the receptionist uh, tries to shoot him um, they shoot him back and kill him but he comes back later as a zombie mm. but there's no payoff you'd think at that point he would then be a zombie with a porno mag- magazine or something to yeah. pay off that what we sound, what seems like a, a joke that's been first bu- uh, built up but nah yeah it was like it's kind of what that almost uh, unclean writing where the setup is painfully obviously there just to set up mm-hmm. a joke um, yeah which is not the not the greatest writing he hasn't, hasn't got the the polish of his yeah I just we're like disapproving parents <laughs> <laughs> just the whole thing I just didn't think was particularly all the jokes are are, are, are kind of just one liners and yeah that's pretty much it they're all just kind of one-liners and quips. And there's no... There's nothing more to it, really. And I just lost interest very, very quickly. Um, so you wouldn't... Um, how invested were you in the various plot twists? Because obviously it's a mystery well, investigation. Well, some of, I mean, some of the payoffs... So the woman who runs the business that is resurrecting people... The PR. She's yeah. a PR woman. She's she, she ends up helping the two cops. Later on in the film, it's revealed that she's actually a zombie. And then she just starts dis- she, she just starts disintegrating in front of him and dies. And I didn't really understand why that just suddenly happened <laughs> or where that came from. So I assume that there's something else. Is there something else that they have to take? Once you're resurrected, you mm. have 12 hours before you die are these people who are managing to live a lot longer than that is there something else that they're taking it seems it seems like it's like um the resurrection process all it seems to do is bring you back in the state you died and then um uh then you carry on decaying like you would a normal body Mm -hmm. until you get to a point where you become a goop goopy thing a goop um but yeah the richer people who are doing it properly are going through the proper channels they get to stay uh, they have some sort of thing that keeps them alive for longer some sort of constant medication and this uh, PR woman she was uh, taking that medication because she was helping them but she uh, when she started helping the buddy cops um, they stopped giving her that medication obviously Mm. so she died there we go there was a lot of plot twists around her Mm-hmm. She, um, the plot twist, like, is revealed that her father isn't her father. Vincent Price. Vincent Price, who's in this film, played by Vincent Price, which that made me happy. When he popped up. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> it's weird because he's got such a he's got such an expansive filmography. Even though mm. he's dead, you still feel like he's given out fresh performances in these films <laughs> you've never even yeah. heard of. Um, yeah, he's uh, he turns out not to be his father. Then she turns out to have been dead the whole time. There's a lot of plot twists around her. Maybe because there's quite a small cast of characters this mystery surrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who it turns out has done it all along, who was uh, the one who killed Roger Mortis, mm-hmm. is the doctor who only previously has had two scenes. Two scenes, yeah. Um, so it's like they're really stretching to find the per like. Oh, and it turned the plot twist is it turns out to be this guy, yeah. the doctor who was just, in it a while ago. Yeah, who he, he had, his his second scene it, I I enjoyed thoroughly when you think about it in the grand scheme of things because he turns up obviously to collect the body of Roger who he thinks is dead. Yeah, 
and he just shows up with Roger, I thought you were supposed to be dead. It's like, it's expertly delivered. And then when you find out that he's actually behind it all, you're like, oh, he was acting. He's a he was an time. actor acting. That's, <laughs> it's got layers, man. There's layers to that. Because he has a really, that was a really weird scene where his, his whole, every single line is like, what are, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Of course he's not dead. Of course he's not dead. Well, I, I can't hear the heartbeat. What? No, this is you're all wrong. Fa- his response wrong. is, you're faking it. <laughs> you're faking not having a yeah. heartbeat. Like you're a do- you're a you're you're in some capacity a doctor, sir. So you should know that that's not possible. Well, 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 well oh, I'm going to deal with the real dead people while you all faff around here, pretending <laughs> not to be dead and pretending to be dead. Um, he's got her- <laughs> pretending not to be dead. I'm doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, he's got very strange. And then like he's got this strange second scene where he, uh, third scene rather where he drives off in a car. And he's like, oh, he's like he sees him. He's like, oh, you buddy cops still still having the joke that he's dead all along. And he drives off and he's got. A license saying body doc yeah um which turns out <laughs> to be the clue that leads him to it because vincent price at his grave leaves a coded message that um the coded message is body doc yeah so that's when roger mortis finds out that, that the it's the doctor doctors behind it all yeah um, which is very very bizarre um he puts that together by matching up the numbers on the grave with the letters on the phone it's good detective work yeah it's a good twist <laughs> yeah. uh, back when phones had them remember yeah. when you had to text like that you yeah. had to press like two several times in order to get a C um, but you had to press it like a lot to get a lowercase C <laughs> oh yeah and you, then you had to do that thing where if you missed it you're like fuck it there was no predictive text back in those days <laughs> and then what about when you had what about when you needed two letters on the same one Oh, and you have so to you wait. would get to see and then you'd have to wait until it went away yeah the little bleeping went away and then you could type the next letter how did we get things done a lot of I remember it took me about four hours to send my first ever text uh, a lot of um, text language remember we used to be fucking like we still use it now but great G8 that was yeah. like there was so much stuff like that just to save time uh, I remember back then you could read a text and like if you weren't really clued in on all of them you'd be like what nonsense. the fuck does this yeah, what so is this hieroglyphs reports and stuff being like what exactly are kids saying to one another because <laughs> we used like such an abbreviated language so that we <laughs> like we it was like no time to say anything because yeah. texts took too long I really wish they'd bring back flip phones yeah yeah you want to flip there was phone? something so satisfying about once you were done with the call just like flip it shut rather than like you, you know, have to, you have to swipe, swipe the set. yeah rubbish horrible no you're decisive when you flip a phone it's done that's it's the done yeah and done. people around you that click echoes that that flip sound when you hit it down echoes. or a corded phone people are like that boy <laughs> he's done with his phone call you want a, a corded phone either as well like when, when that house when you used to have a house landline yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you put the corded phone back in the holder that's the call's yeah, done the call yeah, is yeah. done the only time I get to enjoy that now is the buzzer to my flat <laughs> yeah because that's like, so like, it's mine <laughs> done even then you don't really speak to them so it's not a conversation but you can't hear what people are the reason I never speak to people on the buzzer is because you can't hear what they're saying I'll be like hey who's this it's like I'm like Okay, come in. <laughs> uh, that was a tangent. Yeah, we're allowed tangents. It's we're allowed fucking, to. It's no, I wasn't accusing. Podcast. I was <laughs> saying I was observing. It was a tangent. Talk about what I goddamn want to talk about. Uh, how do you think? Uh, what do you think of how the zombies work in this world? Do you think it's unique, imaginative? Do you think it uh, works for the context of the film? Do you think it's something yeah, you've seen a well, thousand times? Yeah, because they're not really zombies. 
zombies in the classic sense. Not in the night of the living dead sense. Yeah, they're more just decaying bodies. They still have all their more functions about them. They still know uh, what they're they're doing. They're still able to work machine guns, as we see. Um, yeah, they're not kind of just shambling brainless kind. It's zombies in the loosest sense of the world. It's zombies in the case that they are reanimated corpses, but outside of that. Which is, you know, it's good It's good for the story they're telling, I guess. Aye. Well, like, it's not supposed to be, um, like, a, a huge-scale story that no. they're telling. Like, a huge-scale yeah, story. Yeah, it's not a big apocalypse. There's Aye, kind of only like... about two, three zombies and, like, pop up properly in the film. Aye. Um... I liked the first one that they see. The first one they get attacked by in the lab is the giant kind of biker guy who has, who has like two faces. That's yeah, kind of bizarre. Uh, multiple faces. Yeah, uh, he's a very bizarre introduction because like it's a yeah. fairly because presumably it's an elaborate people, design. Yeah, uh, most people in the eighties would have seen a trailer when going into this or something. Maybe it would have been one of those films that we don't like, like from a couple of years ago that we wouldn't think about. Mm. It's like, oh, I saw it, but like, yeah, I fucking hell, can't remember. Yeah. Um, it would be more like that uh, for people in the 80s. Like they saw a trailer and they're like, oh, I know this has got supernatural elements. But it comes out of nowhere if you're just watching it yeah. without that um, thought. I mean, you kind of, there's a supernatural feel because there's somebody been to an autopsy twice, but maybe that could be some sort of smart explanation. It never really mm. goes into that. And then suddenly a big, huge biker guy with like two or three faces comes in and starts attacking you. And they're like, whoa, yeah. whoa, what's happening? Um, I think the reason it doesn't go into depth about things like that is because that's not it's not a serious film it is a it's a parody it's a comedy so it doesn't you know we we can sit and pick it apart but like it doesn't matter none of it (laughs) um um I think uh, because they're pretty uh, the zombies are pretty indestructible which leads to some some bizarre gunfights where (laughs) (laughs) that bit was good I'll give you that Towards the end of the film, when the two zombies, when they both have machine guns, and they're just unloading into each other, and neither of them are dying, it's great. Because they're so indestructible, they're firing at each other for so long, and then it's like, a, it's good 30 seconds or something yeah. before the film actually decides something else has to yeah. happen. that um, made me laugh. It's a, it's a funny sequence, because um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that, there's a, a lot of just gunfights where they get shot and stuff, and but nothing really... Like it's it, it kind of makes them a bit more interesting than just your typical cop uh, film um, gun shootout because like he, shooting's almost a thing they have to do until they figure out how else to defeat yeah, the zombies. Yeah. They can't just they can't just like, oh it's a lucky shot then we've won. It, like it's um, they have to like shove them in swimming pools and mm-hmm. the various other ways they manage to kill them. Um, which had a quip that made me laugh where uh, his he, um, Roger Mortis's partner is like remember when gunshots used to kill people and Roger Mortis like you're just jealous <laughs> I like that line did you know I, I did point this out to you though do you notice they slice open Roger Mortis's artery to show that he's got no blood because yeah. he's dead now he's a zombie but later on when he gets shot he's covered in blood Somebody yeah, fu- somebody dropped somebody the ball there. <laughs> somebody fucked up. That was a weird moment when they were discovering that he was a zombie. I've been watching Santa Cl- Santa Clarita Diet recently, okay, and it's almost it's very very similar, like in terms of the things that she the two characters can and can't do. And I was like, I wonder if Santa Clarita Diet. I wonder if this was one of the films they looked at. <laughs> I wonder if this was one of their their research points. It's bizarre. Might be. Yeah, that'd be bizarre. But except in that film, like in this film, he doesn't have any blood. In Santa Clarita Diet, she has like very thick, it's like a thick black ooze. Ooh. It's pretty disgusting. 
Good show, recommend it. Oh, I, um, I saw. I just thought it was about cannibal. I didn't realize there was any zombie. No, it's just a zombie. Oh, she's a zombie. A zombie. What do you think of the characters in this? What do you think? Maybe of the specifically of the main character and uh, his arc in dealing with being dead. Yeah, Roger Mortis. I mean, it's it's all played for. None of it's played straight, so it's not exactly. Again, it's it's not kind of. I don't think it's not meant to be taken seriously. No. Um. Ro- Roger Mortis is fine. He he's obviously playing the co- the kind of more straight cop until the end when he's kind of gone full zombie. That was kind of where the film got me a bit. I thought that was enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Towards the end, where he just kind of embraces the the zombie nature. He's walking about. He's got half his face has been blown off. And the apt description was yours of he was the Terminator. He just is the Terminator. Yeah. Because like he he's just like he's him. basically bulletproof and um he's his face is half ripped up yeah. from a car crash. Um. I thought the his partner. I forget his name. I don't know. I don't know. You're the one who's supposed to like this movie, right? <laughs> I thought he was fine, but it is just—I mean, he—he he, he is literally just there to deliver quips. Aye. There's a scene. There's a scene halfway through this movie where they get attacked by zombie carcasses of animals. Yes. Okay. So I'll—I'll I'll quickly summarize this. They—they're uh, going down to Chinatown. Don't know why that made me laugh. Uh... <sighs> Go on. Finish it. Going down to Chinatown. Finish it up. Going down to Chinatown to... Uh... Don't fucking... That's three times and each time you've like applauded yourself. I'm good. Um, to investigate someone. And uh, they uh, in they attack the cops because uh, they go into this Chinese butcher Mm-hmm. Uh, which is all the all these dead animals that they're butchering, cutting up and stuff. And they attack the cops by turning on a, re- a smaller version of the resurrection machine that brings to life all of the butchered the, uh, yeah, meat, the animals, meat yeah. in it. Um, which I thought was a really bizarre creative scene. I liked well, it. Yeah. It was really mental. Especially really when the it. giant cow, <laughs> the corpse of the cow comes yeah, out. Yeah, they have it, the fridge opens and this carcass of this cow comes in and it's just a mental moment of what the hell is happening here this yeah. is really bizarre uh they have like duck heads coming alive and quacking and um just the head on its own it becomes it's a really mental sequence mm. but it's really creative of the premise mm. no i did i i like that scene a lot but what i was trying to get out from that scene was um th- there's a bit where a, the corpse of a pig is attacking the partner and before he shoots it, he makes he makes two jokes. He takes the time to make two jokes before he shoots it. So the first one is, from now on, I'm going to be vegetarian. And the second one is, this little piggy's going to market. Oh, like, <laughs> which pig. is is funny. It's just it's just silly. I mean, I don't know. As I said, this this one this one's tough because you can't you can't criticize it for things like that because it is. It is a comedy. I just don't think the comedy really worked for me. I think that's kind of the only... That's kind of the, the base of my, my... my And I didn't dislike it. Like you said, it's got some... It's got a lot of creative moments in it. I was definitely more with it towards the end than yeah. the beginning. The Talking of um, sequence in this, I thought we'd be cool to talk about the special effects because I think that's a really cool point of the film is that it's got really because uh, it's got all these creative um, sequences like the butcher and even where the uh, PR woman finally dies 
and she starts decomposing in front of Roger Mortis and his and um hands start um the like the fingertips start receding um past the fingernails and like and she starts her face starts half gooping and yeah um there's so many special effects in this that I was like this is it's a bit kind of Evil Dead esque it was very you know yeah Evil Dead's a good analogy for mm. it but very felt very sort of um really cool special effects mm. yeah that was some good some good stuff a lot of good use of puppetry and makeup and what not <laughs> the editing in this film can sometimes be jarring specifically scene endings is not the best at yeah. ending scenes <laughs> that one in particular there's a couple that they just seem to cut mm. before mm. like there's um one uh, when they're in the car which one's the one you think the of? one about the fat the, the, yes. the wife joke the fat ex-wife joke yeah the partner starts building up a fat ex-wife joke they cut it off before you get and the punchline and they just cut it before the punchline and it's just a really bizarre cut yeah and I guess like the point is like because we both looked at each other and I was like I guess we'll never know because <laughs> <laughs> what is it it's like oh if you take do you know what you get if you take the what is it the population of Rhode Island against the square root of my ex-wife's weight and then there's a, a beat, there's a pause, and then you just cut to the next scene. And I was like, well, I guess we'll never know what happens. There's a, there's a couple of scenes that are like that throughout the film that like, are really jarring. They're like, oh, hello, yeah. next, next scene. Um, and it's mostly because of the dialogue. It's mostly because the dialogue just sort of cuts out. Yeah. It just decides, no, we're on to the next thing now. Um, which doesn't speak well to... Mm. I don't think I, I maybe didn't just I maybe just didn't notice it as much as you. That one I mentioned was the most glaringly obvious one. Um, maybe I just didn't notice it as much. What did you think of the music? You have I hated it. <laughs> Awful. It's so bad. Like I get what they're kind of trying to do, I'm trying to go for the like eighties, you know, like bang, bang, like kind of crazy cop. Around that, I just I hated it. it just made my ears want to bleed <laughs> I was admit I didn't notice it as much until you pointed it out yeah and then I was like oh yeah I seem to have in trouble with music a lot in films well maybe not a lot but I remember Manchester by the Sea that's a totally different movie <laughs> but I liked everything about that movie I except the music I thought the music was a just such a bizarre choice maybe I'm becoming more in tune maybe with my musical sensibilities maybe you'll become a film composer now that you're starting to pick it up maybe like, yeah. that'd be I mean I don't know how to play any instruments well you know I could play the kazoo but that's just because it's one score Christopher Nolan's it, next film with a, a kazoo <laughs> that's what I think the next Batman movie the next Batman film <laughs> that's not a kazoo that's a <laughs> that's a jazzy trumpet amazing I don't have any instruments on my desk unfortunately that I could play you could try out True musician wouldn't be stopped by that. Look at that. There we go. That was a uh, that was some Tabasco flavored jelly beans that I turned into a maraca. Are they actually? Yeah. Tabasco. I wouldn't try beans. one. They've been no, sitting I, on the I wouldn't. desk for quite a while. They're also I, I disgusting. I wouldn't want to because I'm not the biggest Tabasco person. <laughs> oh, they definitely smell like. See, I love Tabasco sauce. That's why I bought them. But I tried one and was like, nope. So now they're just a little thing that sits on my desk. So people know I'm into Tabasco sauce. Amazing. They get it, because I've got merch. <laughs> I've got Tabasco branded stuff. It was quite a comical film. Because um, I was like, 
it got a negative response. Uh, it got very like I googled it and it had kind of eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I I was like, I don't think it's that bad by any. But then I guess maybe for the time it it was seen as that bad. I don't know. I don't like eighties produced a lot of rubbish. Yeah, we only really remember the good the stuff. The good stuff. Um, like it just like it's got this like because I was like, oh, it would be quite funny if it was taking itself seriously. Um, even if like it's got a gimmicky premise, it would be taking itself seriously. It'd be quite fun to look at. Yeah. Um, but like its negative review is really, really not necessary. Because even now, like I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I wouldn't. It's not. It's not terrible by any stretch. It just kind of doesn't work for me. But I would, it's still very creative. It's funny on a very kind of surface level. Aye. Um, it's got some good practical effects. Some goofs. A few gags here and there. Like, it's not terrible. No. I think that kind of very harsh response to it is really unwarranted. Maybe it's because there was so much better, cleverer stuff coming out around the time, maybe. Maybe. I mean, let's... I wonder what, what year it came out. It was 88, I think. What came out in 88? What was the highest... Was it 88? Film? Right. Are you ready? The highest grossing films of 1988. Okay. Number one is Rain Man. That's okay. an entirely different film. Yeah, that's like, very that's more, that's more of a dramatic yeah. than a genre flick. Number two <clears throat> is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Okay. Which is kind of a um, buddy cop film in its yeah, own sense. Like in a, the, in a, a private yeah. investigator teamed up with a cartoon rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot better. Uh, number three, Coming to America. That's the comedy that it would be facing against. Yeah. Um, number four, Big. Um, Tom Hanks's film. Tom Hanks becomes a big man. Uh, number five, Twins. So there was quite a big, quite a lot of big comedy. comedy. Heavy, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where it came. Mm. Number six, Crocodile Dundee two. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, seven is Die Hard. Die yes. Hard came out in nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, eight was Their Naked Gun. Yeah. Uh, so nine. That, was... See that? That's like a clever parody. Aye. Of that kind of genre. So that's, I think maybe that's why it, it Do you was... think that like, by 1988, because that is the latter half of the 80s, do you think that the um, the sincere uh, buddy cop films were already coming, like being self mm. They Like you had to, if you were going to do a film like that, you had to be kind of self-aware. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was, Dead, what the fuck did we just watch? Dead Heat? <laughs> that was like, pretty self-aware, I, I thought. Aye. But was it then? I make... just don't, I, like I said, I just think it's, I think it's, it's just too surface level funny. Okay. It's not. There's no real depth to the humor. It is just a quip based film. Yeah. You it's, know. It's yeah. So it's because I I I I really like it and I like it as a comedy almost in its context um, more than its like actual film. I think it has got funny lines. I really like the uh, the line um, where the PR woman's like, "Oh my god, are you hurt?" He was like. Lady, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> uh, I really like that line. Um, I, I think he has. I feel, feel that maybe what um, Terry Black's doing is he's put so many quips in it that at least a few of them are definitely gonna hit. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, I like it because it's an eighties film. It's like, That's, is that a good enough reason? But from this point of view, it is. From from 2017, 
it's like a it's a like a, as a personal reason it's like oh look how 80s it is it's, it's very it feels very 80s it feels very genre flick it feels very premise heavy i feel like 80s was a big um, decade for uh, right here's the film idea it's a robot who comes to kill you and he's from the future mm. it's like you could almost summarize most of the biggest 80s films in just yeah. a word even some of these like big it's a tom hanks but he's a kid in an adult's body mm-hmm. um twins it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, but we're saying they're twins. Yeah. Shortest guy in the world, biggest yeah. guy in the world. Like it's very premise heavy, and you can feel that, and and it's almost like it's historic context yeah. of film. But like detective as, has to detect murdered detective comes back to life to for solve twelve hours own, to solve his own murder. Yeah. Um, which means a lot more now than it does then. Maybe that's where the I mean, you saw us us trying to summarize Phantom Menace and I... the Dark Knight and stuff in a kind of quick like in a kind of quick thing but it, it's, it's definitely a lot more difficult that's now. a more contemporary thing to make things more epic it's why uh we've said this a thousand times but it's why like star trek uh, beyond feels so fresh mm. is because you could almost summarize that in a quick premise mm. uh our enterprise crash lands on a planet and they need to survive mm. um like you um there's quite there's so many things maybe after post lord of the rings especially where you try to think make things epic and the way to make things epic is to add like an ambiguous not straightforward story i don't necessarily story. know if it's epic i think maybe things have just gone from i think f- filmmakers maybe just want to try and say more and so it's more difficult to basically summarize because you could i mean you could summarize obviously the dark knight batman fights the joker Again, but this time it's this one. <laughs> but you know that that film movie poster. that film has a lot to say about moral ambiguity and things like that. So I think it's harder to kind of su- pigeonhole, like summarize that one as opposed to maybe earlier renditions of Batman. Aye, um, but like that's kind of like it's kind of my point. It's such a different film from today, and it feels yeah. very of its product of its time, and that's why I like it. But like it's got this negative response because probably at the time that wasn't like what being um, a historic element of mm. the eighties is not going to work when you're already in mm. the eighties. That's why I would love to like this. Uh, the top grossing film um, only goes up for the uh, ten, uh, obviously. But I'd like to know how far down it would be. Like yeah. at what point? Like maybe Dead Heat. It's hard to tell from, especially because we weren't even born at that point, like how well known it would be. Like, was it advertised a lot? Would have people been vaguely aware of it? If you'd ask someone, like maybe if someone who was in the 80s right now, today, you'd, they'd go, I don't know what Dead Heat is. But in the year of 1988, it was like, oh, do you know what Dead Heat is? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that, that film. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's coming out later, isn't it? Because I'd never heard of it until this morning. Yeah. Like, I'd never heard of it yeah. until I found it as I was researching for films. Um, so yeah, like the neg- maybe that's where the negative response comes from. It's because it's not it's not good enough to be a product of the eighties when you're in the eighties. Mm. No, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just fucking smarter than you, Danny, because I'm not just drawn in by nostalgia. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so even, uh, <laughs> no, I'm only even um, nostalgia. No, like, no, it's a genuine you, point. You you have a distinct taste in um, what you like, like. It's not even nostalgia. It's just because I wasn't born in the eighties, so I don't. Mm. I guess there's a lot of there's a lot of films I grew up with that are from the eighties, um, like Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and mm. all these um, Blues Brothers and all these sort of things. So maybe I do have a slight nostalgia for the eighties, but I wouldn't even say that's 
what Dead Heat is, um, it almost is just an appreciation of it. Like something like last thing Stranger Things came out last year, sorry, Stranger Things came out, and that's got a huge eighties nostalgia mm. bandwagon for it. But like, you like Stranger Things, don't you? I do like. You Stranger haven't Things. got the biggest eighties um, nostalgic. Not really, no, no, not at all. Like it's. Um, you kind of had that appreciation of the culture as well as the fact Stranger Things is just a well-written show. Hmm. Um, I think you can see it objectively. My nostalgia all comes from like things I did as a kid as opposed to kind of yeah things that I watched. I think maybe the film that makes me feel the most nostalgic is probably Jurassic Park. All right. But yeah, so that my nostalgia more comes from if I'm walking around the, the place I grew up and I'm like, oh, remember when we went to that park and we did that thing and stuff like that as opposed to I things guess. I watched or played or anything what, like that. In terms of nostalgia, what franchise would you be very nostalgic about? Because that's the big thing about why Transformers is so popular as films mm. is that they have this huge nostalgic market. But like... And also because the world's got a bunch of fucking nerds in it. Nerd! <laughs> fucking nerds are your space robots. Um, but like, when I was a kid, I watched Power Rangers. But I like, didn't watch Power Rangers. See, I watched it. I watched it when I was small. I used to, I like, I watched it a lot. The big thing about Power Rangers when it came up is like, these are, these are performed by stunt actors. Do not try to replicate them. I tried to replicate them. I was so small. I was yeah. jumping from sofa to sofa thinking, jumping from giant robot to giant robot to four, the other Power Ranger bad guys. Um, but I couldn't, like, I'm not that fussed about the new Power Ranger film coming out. No. It's not like that. Maybe it's as a different generation, maybe the internet generation, because, like, we grew up so much in the internet, we're kind of already reminded of us nostalgia quite often. Yeah. It's not like you picked it up from ever. Like, something like Pokemon for me when I was a kid would have been nostalgic. I watched that a lot as a kid, the cartoon with that, um, Ash and stuff. But, like, Pokemon hasn't really left the consciousness pokemon's always been a thing people mm -hmm. still play pokemon pokemon games are still released maybe we have less connect with all that stuff because we don't pick it up as much mm -hmm. uh sorry we pick it up too often so maybe i was just a less intelligent kid but I, I was just always more into things like i liked ed and eddie yeah i liked me some oh do you know what i got a little bit of nostalgia thinking about that yeah there. i like i love me some dexter's lab <laughs> some some powerpuff girls yeah i watched it I was into it. I like things like girls. things like Transformers and Power Rangers and stuff like that. Just never really appealed to me when I was a kid. I was always much more into funny people doing funny stuff. Funny. I like Spider Man as a kid. I did like the Amazing Spider Man. I watched that a lot. The, the show. Yeah. I watched uh, the X Men show as well. That's I didn't watch great. the X Men as much. I watched the. <laughs> I watched. Um, they did that nineties Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. It wasn't like mm. as goofy as the eighty ones. It was kind of I vaguely bit, remember that. It's kind yeah. of a bit more Batman esque and mm. like like the Batman anime. Oh, when I was a uh, kid, I remember watching the Batman cartoon. See, uh, Batman animated, I didn't ex discover until I was much much older. No, I, I I watched it as a kid. I remember it was on. I believe it was Cartoon Network. I believe it was. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but I remember. It sounds like a boomerang show. <laughs> or I, Toonami. No, it would have been on Toonami. Sure. Toonami. What was Toonami? Toonami was the one with all the kind of. Uh, the more kind of Japanese-based cartoons and things like that. I think it had like Yu-Gi-Oh! and oh, okay. things like that, yeah. I didn't watch Yu-Gi-Oh! I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! a little bit. I, I remember, because like, I used, when I was really, really little, we used to have Sky, but then we like, we got rid of it. And mm. so, to see all those sort of cartoons, you had to watch Up on the Roof on ITV yeah. in the morning. Yeah. With that guy who was up on the roof mm. and uh, waiting for the Spider-Man and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. 
See, I, 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 we didn't have Sky. I had to go around to my grand, grand's house to watch Sky. So that's where I would see Ed and Eddie and stuff. But yeah, when I was, when I was a kid watching TV at home, it was Tracy Beaker. That makes oh. me very nostalgic. Do you, would you... Be... Arthur the Aardvark. Yeah. Things like that. They make me really nostalgic. Would you yeah. uh, feel nostalgic if they came back with an Arthur film? With an Arthur film? Moon Arthur. Definitely tra- if if they found some way to bring Do you know what? Tracy Beaker back. I don't think... So into I'm it. not 100% sure Tracy Beaker's ever gone. I feel like every so often I'll see... It'll just pop up. Yeah. There's, like, a, there's no... a revival series. Yeah. I'm not sure if the actress who played Tracy Beaker has done much else with her career than be Tracy Beaker. But I'm fine with that. That was such an important character to my childhood, I feel like. I loved Tracy Beaker. Uh, final thoughts on um, de- uh, Dead Heat. I just wanted you to say the name, just for you to try and remember it. <laughs> I've, that's what I feel like. I enjoyed it as a very cheesy 80s um, throwback film. Um, not not throwback film because it was from the 80s but like uh, just a product of his time film I really enjoyed that what was your final thoughts? it was fun and ish just just comedy wise and things like that it didn't really do anything for me I kind of lost interest pretty I kind of lost interest about halfway through and then it kind of brought me back towards the end but I can't say I'll ever watch this again or no. I'll ever recommend it to anyone but it's got some creative stuff in it it's an enjoyable bloody romp. Do you, do you think there would be any chance of a remake? Do you think like not as in will they make a remake? Do you think that the it would be good remake? to say to see a remake of it? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe it could use a kind of someone. Maybe maybe Shane Black could come back and yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be a bit bitter, uh, a very bitter Christmas lunch yeah, that year. That'd be awkward. Yeah. Um, I want. I googled it because I was really intrigued. Um, to see what. Terry Black does with himself now. Like he's a screenwriter. We we didn't know Shane Black had a screenwriter brother, and I was like, what? What's he's done? And his it was really hard to find it. But like his IMDb page has uh, not a lot on it. He uh, wrote a couple of Tales from the Crypt episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote for a couple of episodes of uh, a show called Silk Stalkins. And a show called Eighteen Wheels of Justice. Oh, that sounds great. Let's look, let's seek that out. But after that, they're not things I've ever played. But he's credited by, for Red Steel and Red Steel Two. You ever played the Red Steel games? Yeah, I played the first one. Yeah, did you know it was written by I didn't Shane Black? No, it was even like written. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the story would be like for those games, but yeah. it's kind of bizarre that um, that there's just games out there that have been written by this guy. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Is he alive? I presume so. Okay. It's hard to tell because he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Oh, there we go. Dead Heat. I'm surprised if anyone's stuck with it this long (laughs) because you probably haven't seen it and generally you kind of switch off if you haven't seen the movie. You kind of fade out. But there we go. Cool. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Second Opinion Pod. That's second with two. Yeah. Uh, we've got no new stuff out to plug. Last week we had the Woody thing. Oh, so yeah. We don't have that. We don't have a... So just, buddy, keep supporting the... Just keep fighting the good fight. The yeah. Second Opinion fight. Keep fighting it. <laughs> fighting it good. Fighting it hard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Right. Cool. Uh, Enjoy your J.K. Simmons, everyone. Enjoy J.K. We'll Simmons. We'll see you next time. Bye. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.